last word on the environment on Today FM. With ESB Networks, connecting you to a clean electric future. ESBnetworks.ie now time for our weekly last word in the environment spot with John Gibbons, the environmental commentator who joins us every week. And you know, it does strike me about all the controversy in Dublin Airport. We had Dalton Phillips, the chief executive, on last night saying they hadn't anticipated the return to the numbers travelling through Dublin Airport. It's already back to 95% of pre-COVID uh, numbers. So that just goes to prove, John, doesn't it, that no matter what you and other environmental activists say about the damage done by aviation, the vast majority of people want to fly and they want to fly often. Uh, good evening, Matt. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I did hear the interview with him and and he made a few very interesting points. I mean, we know, for example, this weekend, quarter of a million people will transit through Dublin Airport. By my calculation, that's about 5% of the population of the country will be passing through either in or out of Dublin Airport. So it's pretty remarkable. Also today, Matt, I see the journal.ie had had an online survey and they asked the question, do you consider the climate impacts when booking your holiday? And so far, uh, 76% said no. So that does go back to your point. Basically, uh, all we have all these surveys that keep telling us how concerned everybody is about this. But when it comes down to it, uh, we're finding that, in fact, people say, ah, yeah, well, I suppose the climate is something we'll deal with manana. And for now, just today, uh, I'd, I'd really want to deal with what's in front of me. I do appreciate, Matt, as well. Sorry, just to finish. I do appreciate as well. There's a lot of pent up demand. A lot of people haven't gone on a holiday in two, two and a half years. So there's a certain release of pent up demand. Yeah, for travel sure. broadens the mind as well, John. Well, it, it does. Travel does all kinds of things. But if we take 2019, Matt, as the last year, if you like, of business as usual uh, in aviation, we had 35 million passenger movements in and out of Dublin Airport. 35 million on an island with a population of 5 million. Now, that, of course, includes tourists. But the question is, can we globally, or indeed as, as a small island, can we support, can, can the climate tolerate that type of activity? I see RT journalist Philip Boucher Hayes also caused a storm with a tweet in which he said, another way to think about delays at airports, we're in a climate emergency since the vote of the Doyle in 2019. If you're on an, on an international flight, you're in the 4% of the global population that will ever do that in their entire lives. Check your privilege. Yeah, yeah. Philip certainly put his uh, head in the lion's mouth there. Uh, The problem is he's not wrong. Okay, and yes, it annoys people. And I think people feel annoyed about it because, of course, we like to fly. I I would like to fly in an ideal world, but we're not in an ideal world. We're in a world of hard carbon limits. And the quickest way, Matt, the absolute quickest way to smash through those carbon limits is to get an aircraft. You can do it in a matter of hours. You can you can break your personal carbon limits. The problem, of course, is we haven't really set solid rules to actually govern that. And what would you want? Well, okay, let's start off with some of the easy stuff. There is an issue of equity here. So the idea that I've been touting around with very limited success so far, I admit, is the idea of giving everybody in Ireland a carbon quota for flying. So let's say you can have 1,500 kilometres, for argument's sake, a year at a normal rate. And beyond that, it incrementally ratchets up to the point where it becomes unaffordable fairly quickly. The reason I suggest that is that means that the rich don't simply get to have go to empty airports because if you say, well, we'll just jack up the prices, well, that suits a lot of people. A lot of well-off people would be delighted that people on lower incomes can't fly anymore. It just makes more room for them and it's grossly unfair. And of course, another thing to point out, by the way, is that while Philip was correct on his numbers, 1% of the world's population, Matt, do well over 50% of the flying. So it really is the high-intensity flyers, the super elites, they are doing 50% of the global damage, 1% of the population 
Britain. So in that sense, uh, having rationing, uh, a ration system connected, say, to your PPS number, something like that, that basically says we're all of the same value. There's a certain global carbon budget left. Let's find a fair way to share it out so that we can continue to have a reasonable standard of living and a standard of life. But the problem at the moment is we have reckless levels of flying. And I repeat the number, 35 million passenger movements on and off this island. Okay. Andy O'Brien wants to know, what about taxing aviation fuel? Well, of course, uh, I'm glad he, he pointed that out. Aviation fuel gets a free ride. In fact, aviation generally, uh, there's no tax on airline tickets, Matt. Unlike every other ticket gets taxed, not, a, not airline tickets. There's no um, VAT on, on aviation fuel and there's no duty on aviation fuel. Aviation fuel is probably, I think you mentioned earlier, people are paying well over two euros a litre for uh, diesel and so on. Aviation fuel, they're paying maybe 40 or 50 cent a litre. If we simply taxed it at the same rate that we tax the fuel that you put into your car, then at least you'd have some recovery. Now that, by the way, doesn't in no way covers the carbon impacts of that, the extra carbon impacts of aviation. Kira in Tyrone says, as far as, as far as to whether or not I consider the impact on the climate when booking a holiday, I certainly do. We're going on one family holiday this year. I won't book any little trips to Liverpool or London for football matches. Also, I do realise how privileged we are compared to so many people who will never fly. Uh, there's lots coming in. But then people are saying, look at the prices of staying in Ireland for a weekend. It's cheaper to go abroad. So what would you do, says Jerry in Tipperary? Yeah, I think I think Jerry's got a great point. We have broken price signals. We need to concentrate on, on being able to have good quality, affordable holidays here in Ireland. And I think Jerry is completely right. Uh, we, you shouldn't, it should not be cheaper to go to Amsterdam or indeed to go to Cancun for the weekend rather than have a holiday here in Ireland. So I think we need to work on getting the prices down. And for example, the minister recently threatened the, the tourist sector to say that he's going to put up the VAT rates uh, if, if price gouging is seen to be a thing. And I think we are experiencing some price, price gouging here in Ireland. So I do have an awful lot of sympathy on that front. Listener wants to know what your idea or what your thoughts would be on an individual carbon footprint tracker. Yeah, footprint trackers are fine up to a point. Uh, and of course, the problem is, Matt, the people who use them are the people who are conscientious about this stuff. But the other 98% of people won't use an individual carbon tracker. So therefore, it's a nice idea if you want to know about these things. But without some kind of central register, some kind of way of, of fairly distributing the carbon load, then it's really, it's, it's just for your own amusement. Uh, the listener says, I remember the man from Aer Lingus telling us in fourth year in school that there was no connection between global warming <laughs> and the airline industry. I knew he was talking BS, but I was told like, hey, stay in the class and be quiet or leave the room. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a few of those over the years, Michael O'Leary more recently, and uh, I, I totally understand. It's difficult to convince people that their business model is helping to burn down the world, but unfortunately, them's the facts. Okay, let's get some other things. I believe you were a bit... Um, annoyed by our travel item on Monday's programme in relation to cruise tourism. Well, I wouldn't say annoyed. I just thought it was kind of interesting because cruise tourism is something that has sort of crept up on the inside rail over the last 10 or 15 years. And and the interesting thing about these cruisers, Matt, is they're absolutely enormous. If you put one of them alongside the Titanic, right, from 1912, the Titanic would look like a, a canal barge in size compared to these things. They're enormous. You're looking at, I think, 9,000 people on a single vessel. Now, you've got to ask yourself the question, when these things are out on the high seas, and all those 9,000 people have uh, 
defecating and urinating. Sorry now to shock Today FM's listeners, but that's what people do. I think they know that people do that. Okay, well, the secret is out. When they're flushing the toilets, when they're emptying the baths, when they're doing all those other uh, personal things, guess where it goes? All of that is not stored by the ship and brought safely back to to shore to be processed. It is dumped into the ocean. It's reckoned over a billion gallons of grey water, uh, you know what that is, is dumped by these ships. And for example, there's, a, there's an Antarctic cruise, right? A seven-day Antarctic cruise. If you take that, you'll have exhausted the entire annual emissions for an average EU citizen. Now, that's just the emissions. That is also, these ships are dumping, you know what, into pristine Antarctic waters. Now, so this is basically exporting a horrendous model and taking it all over the world. Okay, let's move on to other things. Uh, The Germans have decided to deal with the current economic crisis and the transport crisis to offer uh, €9 a month travel. Tell us how this is going to work. Yeah, this is a measure. I mean, I think primarily they're describing it as a, a measure, as a cost of living measure rather than as a climate measure. And basically... They do add that it's also aimed at getting people out of their cars. Now, the the not so good news, it doesn't include intercity trains. However, apparently you can get from one side of Germany to the other, if you're so minded, using regional uh, trains. But you're talking about, Matt, yeah, nine euros a month, all in for everything except intercity. And the idea here, basically, apart from jump-starting and, and reducing the cost of living, is to put the proposition to people that, look, use public transport. One of the issues, of course, we have is that when you buy a car, you have a lot of sunk investment in that car. You're paying insurance, you're paying tax, whether or not the car leaves your drive. So the inclination is, ah, the hell with it, I'll use it. So if the impediment to that is high prices for public transport, then the obvious way to do that. One of the problems they're anticipating, though, at €9 a month is that if it becomes too popular, they they won't have enough buses and trams and trains available to cope with the demand. And at the moment, that's exactly the the train operators are complaining, in fact, that they're going to be overwhelmed and apparently booking systems have been blocked out. So it is an issue. But if again, if it's sending the signal, they know for sure that when you adjust the pricing signals like this, it is wildly popular. You know, the Irish government, for example, reduced, I think it's by 20%, the cost of public transport in Ireland. And that led, Matt, to an immediate 20% increase in uptake. So people are really price responsive. Listener says, so we can't fly for our holidays, we can't go on a cruise. What would John suggest we do for our holidays? I'm glad he asked. Uh, Next week I'm heading off myself. We're taking the ferry off off to uh, Bilbao in northern Spain and bring the electric car there and have a little trip around using nuclear power, if you don't mind, to power the car as we head around France. So that's about as, as green as you can manage. You have a fully electric car? Fully electric car. You, and are you going to have any problems charging it in continental Europe? Do they have the same adapters? Yeah, pretty much. I've done this before, Matt. I did it uh, in 2019. I did about 3,500 kilometres uh, on a tour around France and it was fine. We, we managed okay. You, you, you've got to watch it. You've got to manage your, your locations and so on a little bit more closely, but much, much cheaper than, than the old diesel. Uh, Kerry says John's a total misery does he want us all going back to horse-drawn carriages and sailboats he's a depressive he needs a bloody foreign holiday well you are getting your well I'm holiday. getting my foreign ho- holiday and, and, and that ferry you're going on is environmentally friendly is it? Well relative Matt to these uh, basically pleasure cruisers going around in circles with nine or ten thousand people boring themselves or amusing themselves to death yeah relatively speaking it gets from point A to point B 
the listener says all those modern cruise ships you're giving out about have their own water treatment plants on board. Well, yes, they do. Some of them use a scrubbing system where they, they take the emissions that come out of the, of the smokestack and they divert it into the water. And what they end up doing basically is acidifying the water. So there's no free lunches on these. And a, a little statistic, yeah, by the way. Here, John says, he's from Galway, he says, I'm a ship engineer. All the sewage plants are top class in ships, meeting more stringent regulations than anything treating sewage on shore. He says, tell John to look up the Marpol regulations for ships regarding discharging anything at sea. Well, you can uh, ask your listener to look up the multiple criminal violations that have been successfully prosecuted against eight of the major cruise liners for repeated offences. And the problem, Matt, is they get fined 50,000 or 100,000, but relative to the cost of of chugging around thousands of gallons of you-know-what and bringing it back to shore and then trying to treat it, it's basically a, a spit in the bucket. Listener wants to know, will you use the toilets on the ferry? No, I, I will hold on till I get to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> OK, very quickly, because we're way over time. Uh, what's this about Ireland been way off course to meet the climate targets for 2030? Yeah, Matt, this was the EPA report that was issued earlier this week. And basically, we've set ourselves targets of 51% emissions reductions by 2030. I think most of us who, who follow this stuff were pretty sceptical about those numbers. And what the EPA have said this week is that at best, everything going well, we will manage 28%. And that's very unevenly distributed. For example, the the um, energy sector is doing really, really well with renewable energy. That will probably That's already at 40%. It, it should be heading towards 70% by 2030. Other sectors like uh, agriculture, which is our biggest polluting sector. Agriculture by 2030, uh, when they add in, if you like, extra measures, will end up increasing its pollution by about 1.9% in the next eight years. So uh, a little done, Matt, and lots, lots more to do. Thank you very much, John Gibbons. We'll see you again next week. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.